0: You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Shot in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit Mercyculture.com. If you want my notes this morning, you can text notes to the number that comes on the screen, and what is in front of me will be sent to you. How many are ready for the word this morning? Now just let you know that nine o'clock thinks they're better than you, they were loud, they were wild. How many ready for the word? John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Someone say peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples. We're glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I came to tell you this morning, when you put on the boots of peace, you are wearing dunamis. The title of this message is Wearing Dunamis, the Boots of Peace. Let's pray. So Lord, we declare that your word is true. Let every man be a liar. We declare, let your word be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Holy Spirit, I ask for you to breathe upon your written word. I pray it would become alive. Let it become Rama today. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Lord, we declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So we say, fear, you must go. Anxiety, you must go. Worry, you must go. We say, peace come. Father, we declare, Holy Spirit, we do not make room for you, but we give you the entire room. Lord, I thank you no one came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And all God's people said amen, amen. and amen. We are stewarding a prophetic word of dunamis. God said 2023 would be a year of dunamis. It would be a year of strengthening and fortifying our faith. So we've been tackling and discussing and teaching about issues of sound doctrine all year long. We're in a season called wearing dunamis where we're going over the full armor of God that's found in Ephesians. We have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the boots of peace, uh, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. These are the different... Items of the full armor of God, but these are not for children. These are for all of God's children. These are the elements are the characteristics of Jesus. And when we put on the armor or when we walk in the attributes of the armor, we're actually wearing his dunamis power. But what's wild about this is if you take away the armor and just put up the actual titles of the the armor, we're really dealing with some of the most core foundational issues of faith there is. We're dealing with salvation, righteousness, the word of God, truth, peace, some of these core issues. And these were the issues that will strengthen and fortify your faith. I'm telling you, church, if you have these things solidified in your hearts and your minds and your spirit, you will be strengthened and fortified. Amen. So this morning we're talking about the boots of peace, the boots of peace. Oh, uh, if you missed any of the last few weeks, you can get all of the uh, series on our YouTube channel or podcast. And if you missed any of these, you can you can catch up and make them up while we're talking about missing them. I felt like I wanted to give an encouragement today because uh, if you weren't aware, the average Christ follower goes to church once every six weeks. Once every six weeks. And, and you wonder why so many people struggle in their faith or they're weak in their faith. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you, I, I don't want you to hear a, a, a harsh correction, but I want you to hear a, a loving encouragement. Six weeks is not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for you to fortify your faith. Now, what I'm not saying is, I'm not saying you can't ever miss church. That gets weird, okay? That's, and, and if you come to our church, you know, we don't we have to, the balcony's packed, Children's is packed. You probably parked on the lawn. Like, we don't have the people coming problem. That's not why I'm saying this. What I want to make sure is that you are receiving everything God has for you. Imagine if you just watched your favorite streaming show once every six episodes. You would never know what's happening. Heather watches every episode next to me and she still doesn't know what's happening. (laughs) But watch, if, if you watched only one every six episodes, you would be behind. You would be missing out. You wouldn't know what's going on. That's what happens to people that aren't in the presence of God in corporate settings on a regular basis. They're always behind and missing out. So I want to encourage you. Listen, don't be like that. Be strong. Be fortified in your faith. Amen? Amen. All right, this morning we're talking about the boots or the shoes of readiness of the full armor of God. Ephesians 6.15 says, and your feet or shoes or boots fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Someone say peace. King James says, and your feet will be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So when I talk about peace, what do I mean? Peace is a state of tranquility, which is kind of a funny word, which means the untroubled state or free from disturbance or a state of calm. It's wholeness, total well-being, prosperity and security. It's also associated with God's presence among his people. Church, without peace, something will always be missing from your life doesn't matter how much money you make, something's missing. It doesn't matter how well-known you are, something's missing. doesn't matter how many of your goals in life you have achieved. There will always be something missing without the peace of God. The peace of God is what makes you whole. Let me give you my simplified definition of peace. Peace is this, is when you feel the presence of God and and he becomes your primary focus and attention. Peace is when... God's presence becomes your primary focus and your primary attention. In the Hebrew, the word peace is the word shalom. It means the completeness, the soundness, well-being. It's also used as a greeting and a farewell. So if you come with us to Israel, I know our church is going on a tour to Israel in November. I think it's sold out in like the first 30 seconds. But when you come to Israel, they'll say shalom, shalom to you. And then when you leave, they say shalom, shalom to you. So when you greet someone, they say, peace, peace. And when you leave someone, they say, peace, peace. It's that word shalom. It's a full completeness. Now, what's wild about Israel, the first time I ever went to Israel, I didn't know what I would expect. And I was walking the old streets of old Jerusalem, and I remember just feeling this resounding peace. And, 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 and it wasn't like what I saw in the news. And, and the news shows you the Gaza strips and missi- uh, missiles and war and all this stuff. And you think that you're going to go into a war zone. And I remember walking the streets of old Jerusalem and literally feeling off the buildings the peace of God. And I couldn't believe it. And I'm walking old streets of Jerusalem and I said to the Lord, why do I feel your peace? And as soon as I asked him, the Holy Spirit said, because my servants all over the world are praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalms tells us to pray the peace of Jerusalem. So God's people everywhere are declaring the peace of Jerusalem. And here's what's happening. When you are declaring the peace of Jerusalem on God's house and God's land, he then takes his peace for his land and puts it in your land. So let me give you some practical advice. Every day in your daily encounter, make time to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In the Hebrew Pieces, shalom. In the Greek, the Hebrew is irene. Now, irene has a little different meaning. Irene is to join together into whole. So, irene talks about the wholeness that shalom does, but it actually talks about a weaving together. It's essentially putting all of the pieces together to bring God's wholeness. Someone say wholeness. So really, we see the peace being brought together in God through the Trinity. So when I say Trinity, we're talking about God the Father, we're talking about Jesus the Son, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the three triune head of the Trinity. So we see peace in all three members of the Trinity. So we see the Father is the Father of peace. Someone say Father of peace. 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty-three says, For God is not a God of disorder... He's a God of peace. And this God of peace originally gave us peace when he created us. Look at this, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, the Lord God formed man of dust on the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So watch, God the father or the father of peace created man. The moment he created man, he breathed into man his peace. Now you'll see this theme of breathing the peace of God over and over in the, in scripture. You'll see it at the end when I go back to John chapter 20, you see it second Kings where the prophet laid on a boy hand to hand, face to face, mouth to mouth, and he breathed life back into him. Now that's not going to be a practice that we're going to do here at the Altra Mercy Culture Church and we're also not going to handle snakes. But what the Bible is teaching us is that the breath of God breathes peace into dead things. See, the peace of God is what breathes life back into dead relationships, dead hearts, dead minds, dead circumstances. It's his his breath that breathes the peace of God into it. So here's what we can know from a theological standpoint. There is nothing, no situation, no person that the peace of God cannot be breathed into. Someone say peace. Say, that's my peace. No one heard me say that? Say, that's my peace. We missed it. It's okay. We'll go on without you. Number two, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity is Jesus. He is what the Bible says is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Can I get an amen? Jesus paid the price for our peace. That's why the prophets called him the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 6 says, For a child is born to us. The son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. The prophets declared that Jesus was the Prince of Peace. And then the angels confirmed what the prophets declared. Luke 2, 14 says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those who he is pleased. When Jesus was born, peace came into the earth, and only through Jesus can the earth receive peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing walls of hostility." So we see the father of peace. We see King Jesus as the prince of peace. And watch this Irene or this wholeness together. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of peace. John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to go. I'm going to go ascend back to the heaven uh, heavens. I'm going to go be with God. But don't worry, it's best for you to go because I'm going to leave you my spirit. And when my spirit comes, he is also peace. So Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of peace. That's why Galatians 5.22, when it talks about the fruit of the spirit, it is it mentions peace because when we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we have peace. Now, I just want to stop for a moment and teach in a a spirit-filled, Pentecostal, maybe charismatic church here. I, I want to bring some clarity for a second. Because in our churches, we love the, the move of the Holy Spirit. We love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues, in services. It's not out of order. If you bring attention on yourself, it will always be out of, this, out of order. But if we are praying in the Holy Ghost together, Jude one twenty, building up our own prayer languages, or building up ourselves in the Lord by praying in the Spirit, that's not going to be out of order. Uh, Corinthians warns us to have edifying words come when we speak in tongues. And that always happens when we do it corporately. God speaks prophetically. He speaks in the Word. That is done in order. But he- Here's the thing. I love praying in the Holy Ghost. I do it every day. It's powerful. So I'm not speaking against it at all. I want to bring clarity to the Christian that thinks they're spirit-filled if they speak in tongues, but has no other fruit in their life. So you being spirit-filled is not determined just by the evidence of you speaking in tongues. It should be by the evidence of you have the fruit of the Spirit. So watch, what does it matter if you spoke in tongues once in your life if you don't have love, if you don't have joy, if you don't have peace, if you don't have patience, if you don't have goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, or self-control? Peace is the evidence that you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 6 says, For those that set their mind on the flesh is death. But to set your mind on the Spirit is life, look at this, and peace. Not only is it in the Trinity, but do you know there's over 400 times peace is mentioned in the Bible? It's interesting, I feel like every time I get up here to preach, I tell you the hundreds of times some topic is mentioned in the Bible. Someone say, sound doctrine. Because we are strengthening and fortifying you in your faith. So when I'm talking about peace, this is such an important thing for the development of your faith. This is such an important aspect of your Christianity. Someone say amen. amen. Colossians 3.15. I'm going to go over a few peace scriptures that are very significant and important to your walk and your understanding of peace. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful Scripture says, let peace rule you. So I want to ask you this. Is peace ruling your heart? Or are you ruled by something else? Because we're taught, the Bible shows us that peace is supposed to be what rules us. Let me give you a different word than rules. Governs you. Leads you. It's your response to everything. So let me give you a caution. If you are constantly feeling anxiety, worry or other spirits like that there's a chance that you may be submitted to another spirit more than the holy spirit because the moment something happens in the economy you start worrying it means that you're not submitted to his peace or the moment they say oh we might be going to war or this might happen or or we're going to do layoffs what does layoffs have to do with you Well, we might be going into recession. I think they've been saying that for like the last six years straight. But what does that have to do with you? What did that have to do with the children of Israel when they're in Egypt in slavery? Listen, we serve a God that transcends governments, kings, rulers. Watch, watch. When we are submitted to the king of kings or the prince of peace, watch. We are submitted to his lordship, not the lordship of whatever civilization that we're in. What are you saying, Landon? I'm saying this, that if you are constantly being moved by these other worries in life, there's a good chance you're not fully submitted to the Holy Spirit. That doesn't make you bad. It makes you growing as a a spiritual leader. So let me help you. Let me give you some practical advice. When you feel worry, when you feel anxiety, when you feel that, I want you to immediately start asking the Holy Spirit how to teach you to submit to him. Now, you can take this prayer and you can use it for anything because it's one of the greatest prayers you can pray. Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach you about what? Anything. Everything. Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a better husband. Teach me how to be a better father. Teach me how to be a better leader. Teach me how to be a better employee. Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a better servant. Holy Spirit, teach me about your peace. And when you begin to ask the Holy Spirit, he will do it. So I felt like I was supposed to stop in the service and we're supposed to just take a moment and minister on this today. And and I don't wanna make this weird, but I wanna show you that it doesn't have to be something where we run around the the altar and stage and and when that happened in worship, that's awesome. And and God was in it and, and the spirit of joy was here, but he also moves in us when we're just sitting in our seats. He also answers prayer when you're sitting at work and you say, Holy Spirit, help me. Watch, he'll do it at any time. So so I'm gonna ask you this, to just be honest, Balcony, everybody, people watch it online. If you have been struggling or you have felt a a good amount of anxiety or worry in this last season on a regular basis, this doesn't make you bad, it makes you human. But if you said, I have felt a, a good amount of anxiety and worry in this past season on a regular basis, just wave your hand at me. Just wave your hand. If you're listening online, just wave. Just, just, just mention on the live stream, okay? So, so thousands of people, okay? So this is something that is coming against a lot of individuals. So here's what we do. Just put out your hands like this, and out loud, you can close your eyes, you can keep your eyes open, just say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to submit to you. Teach me how to submit to your peace. Now watch, this is not something we do with kids, this is what we do as adults. Now we just say, worry, go. Peace, come. Say, fear, go. Holy Spirit, come. Anxiety, you must go. Holy Spirit, bring your peace. Now breathe in the presence of God. and Put your hands together and just thank him. Watch. Those little moments are powerful. Those moments are powerful. And it doesn't take a full church service to do that. You could do that anywhere you are at any time. Okay. Second thing I wanted to teach you about peace is peace is not offended. Psalms 119, 165 says this, great peace for those that love thy law and nothing shall offend thee. That word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon, or where we get the English word scandal. It means a trick, a trap, a stumbling block, or an occasion to fall. Uh, an offense is a trap of the enemy to get you to spiritually fall. One interpreter calls it a snare with live bait. Guess who's the live bait? It's you. And any time you allow yourself to get offended, what is happening is you are giving up your submission or your relationship with peace in order to exchange it with an offense. So I'm going to say this as nice as I can. If you find yourself constantly, regularly, or easily offended, you're not wearing the boots of peace. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's about to go in. So every time there's a police shooting, do you have peace? No, every time the, the, the false prophets of the media are trying to push po- something in front of your face. How about during political season? Where's your peace? Come on, if the same things are getting under your skin every single season. Ah. Let me just stop for a moment. If 2020 happens again. Do you not know that that was an attack of the enemy to divide the church, to divide people? Are you not aware that Sunday morning is the most racially divided day, hour of the week? Look around this church. I love it every time they call us white nationalists and they insult thousands of black people that are members of this church. Turn your neighbor and say, did he just say that out loud? Did he just say that out loud? <laughs> Do you know why they call us white nationalists? To try to offend somebody. Because what happens when you're offended? Then you fall into a the trap. Then you get stuck. And then God led you here, caused you to be here. We're walking in unity together in perfect peace. But then an offense comes around and we fall in the trap again. Turn to your neighbor and say, not me, not this time. If you are constantly offended, it means you are not wearing the boots of peace. Let me show you how powerful this is in the text. Matthew chapter 16, put it on the screen. I want you to understand this. Jesus did not tolerate offenses and neither should his followers. Why, I, you gotta hear me today. Zero tolerance. None whatsoever. I, I, don't, I don't know how to, how, how to stress this enough that there could be nothing that is greater to, to the heightened level of awareness is then when offenses come in. You know why? Because offenses will take you out. Offenses is the number one thing that take out people in the body of Christ. It's the number one thing. Spirit of offense. It's why they leave a church offended and then it's only a matter of time till they get offended at their new church. So if you left your church offended and you came here, it's only a matter of time because it's a spirit that's going to follow you. It's a foul spirit of offense. And it's something that you have to deal with with peace or it will forever take you out. Do you know a lot of people get offended with me when I preach the Bible? I tell them to quit living in sin. Do you know why we preach on sin? So that you can be in right standing with God. Do you know why a lot of people don't preach on sin? Because they want you to be in right standing with their church membership. So here's what i got to make a, dis- a decision. Would I rather offend God from the pulpit or offend you from the pew? <laughs> Jesus had no toleration for offense. Look at this, Matthew chapter 16. It says, from that time, Jesus began to te- show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, look at this, and be killed. And then on the third day, raised from the dead. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter's rebuking Jesus. Far be it from me, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Verse 23. But he turned around and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance or an offense unto me. Now watch this. I know people don't like it when I call people that live in this neighborhood and try to stop us from helping survivors of human trafficking demons but I learned from Jesus. You don't have to clap. That's fine. Jesus turned to Peter, but didn't say his name. He talked to the demon of offense that he partnered with. And he said, get behind me. Why did he say get behind him? Because Jesus knew it was a trap. Jesus knew it was a stumbling block. Jesus knew if I allow that offense to stay in front of me, I won't be able to get to the cross. Watch, Peter's offense was trying to transfer onto Jesus to keep him from the cross. That's why he said, I saw this offense before. I've seen this trap before. i dealt with the devil in the wilderness before. So get behind me, Satan. You are an offense unto me. Now watch this. I just want to point this out for a second. Jesus allowed them to spit in his face. Jesus allowed them to betray him. Even when Peter cut off a soldier's ear, he stopped it, put it back on. He said, no, 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 let them betray me. He said, let them betray me. Let them beat me. Let them whip me. Let them take four-inch thorns, make a crown of it, put it in my head. Let them whip my back. Let them nail my hands and my feet to a cross. Watch, Jesus said, I will surrender and allow all of that. But I won't tolerate an offense. An offense. Jesus is teaching us how we cannot tolerate the demons behind offenses. So now let me pastor you before more people walk out. Ask me if I care. Never. What offenses are you tolerating? Now it's easy to sit here And say amen, but what offenses in your family? I felt the Lord prompt me in the last service and I wanna say it in this service, that you can have no offense between you and another brother. You can have no offense between you and another sister. And according to scripture, what makes us brothers and what makes us sisters is Jesus. When we're following Jesus, it makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to pastor you today. I want you to spiritually grow. Get that offense out. And let me warn you, dealing with offense is not a one-time thing. It's kind of like forgiveness. you got to do it over and over. You have to do it every time it comes up. So I want to warn you, just because you dealt with an offense before does not mean you won't have to deal with it again. Are you with me today? Next thing I want to address is what the Bible calls peacemakers versus peacekeepers. Matthew five, nine, it's the Beatitudes. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When people don't want real peace, they become peacekeepers instead of peacemakers. Isaiah 48:22 says there is no peace says the Lord for the wicked. Watch this. So if there's no peace for the wicked, that means that we cannot be in peace with everyone all the time. So people that are trying to be in peace with everyone all the time are peacekeepers instead of peacemakers. Peacekeepers are people that will settle for pretend peace that's temporary. Rather than peacemaking, which is godly and permanent. See, peacekeeping is the intim- imitation of peacemaking. I remember one time Heather and I were in Washington, D.C., and we're walking the streets of D.C., and we walk by this guy, and the moment we walk by him, he starts screaming in our face, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace, and he just kept screaming, we just kept walking. Over and over, no justice, no peace. And up in my spirit came, he's got the wrong chant. He's got a peacekeeping chant. It's not a peacemaking chant. The peacemaking chant is justice and peace. Justice and peace. Justice and peace. Justice and peace. Watch, that is the language of heaven, watch, that makes peace. No justice, no peace is what peacekeepers say when they really don't want real peace. Watch, when they won't go through the process for real peace. Peacekeepers want a temporary solution to appease the moment, not true peace that surpasses all understanding. Let me tell you a little more about peacekeepers just to help prove the point. Peacekeeping is when we say, can't we all just get along? Peacekeeping is when you desire peace in the world without understanding it requires the prince of peace. Peacekeepers are passive aggressive. Peacekeepers are more concerned about the feelings of men versus the feelings and thoughts of God. Peacekeepers are false prophets that love to prophesy a fake peace when God is bringing true judgment. See, this is where you got to grow spiritually and you need to understand that it's okay to preach judgment because God sent prophets to declare judgment because he intended mercy. He told Jonah, go prophesy to Nineveh judgment. And the entire time, he planned on mercy. Listen, judgment is to get you right with God. Because when you stand before God and you see Jesus, that's where you'll encounter the mercy of God. Watch, telling people they're right with God when they're in sin with God is not true peace. We just tell people what they want to hear. See, a lot of people... Think mercy culture makes trouble when they don't realize that we're just making peace. They just can't discern the difference between their trouble and God's peace. See, here's the thing: is if you do not compromise, if i say it like this, if you compromise with peacekeeping, you just get pretend peace, and then you become a hostage to the peacekeeper. I wrote my spiritual warfare book, Jezebel, that peace at any cost is spiritual terrorism. And there's some people that don't like controversy or they, they don't like conflict so much that you will compromise true peace for a temporary peacekeeping. So let me ask you this question. How do you make true peace? It's a beautiful answer. You bring the kingdom into the situation. Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How do you bring peace into any situation? How do you bring the kingdom into any situation? You bring righteousness. What is righteousness? To do what's right in God's eyes. So you do what is right. You bring his peace and you bring his joy. That is how... You make right situations wrong. That is how you make peace. You become a peacemaker by bringing the kingdom of God into the situation. Here's the thing when you're right with God, nothing can take your peace. Peacemakers are those that are looking to be right with God. I want to talk to you about war and peace, because a lot of people think it's a paradox. Or it's one or the other. One theologian said it like this, for if we are warring with the devil, we are at peace with God. And if we are at peace with the devil, we are warring with God. Philippians 4, 7 says this, and the peace of God, look at this, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. This is an interesting scripture. Leave it up on the screen for a moment. It says, and the peace of God surpasses all understanding. What does this mean? The peace of God surpasses all understanding. It's talking about that we could be in peace and in war at the same time. And for people that don't have a relationship with God, they can't understand it. Because they can't think that you could be at war and still have peace at the same time. So it transcends the understanding of the carnal or the spiritually immature. But the followers of Jesus that know the Holy Spirit understand that peace is not the absence of conflict or challenges, but the presence of Jesus in it. Watch. This is what the boots are for. Scripture calls them the boots of peace because the boots of peace, watch, are made for war. Ephesians is kind of an abstract scripture when it's talking about the shod or the boots of peace. It's talking about boots that are made for war. Paul's referencing the Romans' feet, the Roman shoes, the Roman boots. And they were known to have these giant sharp points in them or, or spikes in them. And, and, and here's what ancient battle strategists understood, is that army with the best shoes won the battle. So the armies would rush together and fight, and whoever would have the strongest foundation would win the resistance or would win the battle. So Paul's taking this obscure text and he's enlisting us in the battle or the army of God. And here's what he's teaching us is if you want to win spiritual battles, you have to be the ones with the best boots. If you want to win spiritual battles, you have to be the ones, watch, with the most peace because the ones with the most peace are the ones that will survive the most war and watch we can be at war and remain in peace at the same time through the boots of readiness church I want you to know you will face persecution you will face attacks and the enemy is constantly going to try to attack your peace why because if he takes your peace you remove your shoes if you have no shoes you will not stand in the day of battle. So the strategy for taking you out is taking your peace first. That's his strategy. He can destroy your peace. He destroys your ability to stand. Watch, there was a prophetic word at the beginning of the year that no one was going to lose their faith. No one was going to fall. No one was going to stumble. I didn't know at the beginning of the year when the Lord told me no one would stumble that I'd be preaching at this point in the year talking about the thing that keeps you from stumbling is the peace you wear. It's the peace that you walk in. This is why the enemy's trying to get you offended. He's trying to get your peace out. This is why the enemy's trying to get you to be a compromised peacekeeper, is he's trying to take the peace from you. Why? Because he knows if he can take your peace, he takes your ability to fight spiritual warfare. That's why the apostle Paul said, put it on. The boots give you the ability here, this church, watch, to be in peace. And live in war. And keep your foundation firm. The enemy is always coming to attack your peace. I'm gonna give you four attacks on your peace real fast. Four ways the enemy attacks your peace. Number one, he attacks your peace with God. How does he attack your peace with God? He tries to bring up your past. Heather ministered on this last week with your testimony. He he tries to keep, keep your testimony as a hidden secret of shame rather than what you're set free by. Your testimony is not a story about how bad you are. It's a story about how good God is. So he tries to come in between your relationship with God. Tells you, oh, no, no, you sin too much. Oh, no, no, you do. It's too many years. Way too. You can't. You don't even have enough years to make up the good deeds as bad deeds. Good thing we're not saved by good deeds. Good thing that there's no amount of good deeds that we can make up to do it for our bad deeds. That we're saved by faith and grace alone. It's only by his goodness. It's only by his mercy. Listen, mercy was created for our bad deeds. It was because on our best day, we're not good enough. It's because we couldn't earn it. We couldn't buy it. We don't deserve it. That's what makes it mercy. The enemy is always coming after your peace with God. Second thing the enemy's coming after is peace with yourself. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace. Look at this. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know how the enemy gets you, destroys or attacks your peace with yourself? Is he gets you thinking about yourself too much. And then you're constantly just thinking about you. But scripture says, he keeps them in peace whose eyes are fixed on him. When Peter walked on water, he lost his peace when his eyes were on him. But when his eyes were on Jesus, he's in perfect peace. I would challenge you, stop thinking about yourself so much. It's tough to do. We're selfish. It's tough to do. It's, the selfishness is wired in us. The same way we have to get it out of children, you have to get it out of spiritually immature people. But let there be just something that goes off in your mind and your heart. When you're constantly thinking about you, you stop and fix your eyes on him. I would challenge you before you ask God for one thing, do what we did this morning in worship, bless him. Thank him, love on him, get your mind off you. The enemy attacks you with peace with your enemies. I love this, Proverbs sixteen seven: whose man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. And number four, he'll attack you, your peace through storms, or what I call the storms of life. We see this, And Matthew, I just lost my place. Four, excuse me, Mark chapter four, verse 37. It says, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. Verse 38, and Jesus was asleep in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up saying, teacher, why don't you care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said, look at this. Peace, be still. Church, the peace of God makes even the storms in your life be silent. You know what's the distraction from the storms of life? You know what's silly about them? is a lot of times we're following Jesus and then a storm comes and then we freak out when we follow Jesus into the storm, into the boat. You walked in faith, you came in faith, you've given in faith, you've lived in faith, and then a storm comes and the enemy attacks you like you're doing something wrong. Can I help you with your bad theology? Storms come in life. Anyone get trees knocked down and limbs knocked down or fences knocked down last week? It's not the judgment of God on your life. You live in Texas. You chose it. Better politics, worse storms. It is what it is. Watch, it's not, but people with bad theology, well, if you you were right with God, if you had more faith, wind would have knocked out someone else's tree and not yours. Your neighbor's house would have burned down, not yours. Where do you get that theology? Watch. Scripture says calamity falls on the righteous and unrighteous. The difference is, watch, how we respond to it. So practically, how do you respond? How do you respond to these four attacks the enemy brings to you? How do you solidify peace in these areas? Number one, peace with God. You just submit to God. In every area of your life, any area that's unsubmitted, look how to submit to God. In your finances, in your rest, in your relationships, in your actions, in behaviors, submit to God. How do you find peace with yourselves? You trust God. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. How do you have peace with your enemies? You forgive them and bless them. Why? Because the place you stop forgiving is the place you stop spiritually growing. And how do you have peace with the storms of life? You rebuke them or you assign heaven's proper value on them. Where you say, "Uh, my God is greater than any storm. I'm going to trust God more than I trust the storms. More than the storms of life. More than the trials I'm going through. I'm going to declare I'm going to honor God. I'm going to trust God more than anything I'm going through. Worship team, come and join me. John chapter 20. It's a story that we opened up with. It's a story of Jesus meeting the disciples for the first time since he had died on the cross, conquered sin, death, and the grave. He had met Mary Magdalene, but he had not yet met the disciples. The disciples are in a place of shock, they're in a place of fear, and they're in a place of panic. Okay, so sometimes we can read these texts and if if we're not in the middle of the story that we're reading, we forget what it really means. So just follow me. The disciples have been following Jesus for three years. They put their trust in Jesus that he was the Messiah. He was the son of the living God. He was more than a prophet, he was more than a miracle worker, he was God. But when push came to shove, the disciples all scattered and only the women stayed. You have Judas betrayed Jesus, you had Peter denied him, and all the disciples left. And only one watched from a distance. And the last thing they saw was either their savior getting arrested, their savior getting beaten or their Savior dying. Now remember, this is the same Savior, this is the same one that Peter was saying, no, 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 this can't happen to you because this doesn't fit my political worldview. You're supposed to overthrow the Romans, not die on the hand of the Romans. So they're in a state of disbelief. Now watch, the Jewish leaders had the Romans come and do it, now they're at the fear of the same persecution that just killed Jesus, now might come and kill them. So according to Scripture, it's very specific that they're in a a room with the door locked. How many Scriptures do you read or remember of, of stories where the Bible talks about the door being locked? Not many. Why'd they lock the door? Because they were afraid of what was on the outside. So they locked the door of fear on the outside and watched this, and their peace was completely stolen from them. But they had no idea that the peace they thought was stolen from them just walked into the room with them. And according to scripture, he didn't use the door. The locks didn't affect him. Watch. He supernaturally transcended from the outside to the inside. I'm reminded of Dunamis going from outside on you to abiding within you. Watch. And the next thing they knew, watch. The peace that was gone is now the peace that's in the room with them there was something different about this time because they were afraid of death but peace just walked in that conquered sin, grave and the death watch, Jesus just conquered death and he comes in and the very first thing he says to the disciples is peace be with you Ah. he's about to send him out He's about to send them out he's about to send them out to evangelize the world he's about to send them to build the church that the gates of hell won't prevail but the first thing that they need to hear before they go conquer the world watch this is wild the jews are still out there the romans are still out there persecution is still out there death is still out there in fact every single one of them would be killed by the hands of persecution it's still waiting for them but the only thing that changed was the king of peace is there And he says, put on your boots. Because I'm about to send you into war. But this time you're not going to have to lock the door. You're just going to go through me because I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Watch this. Then he stops and he breathes on them. He does to them what God did to Adam he breathed his peace into them put up on the screen after he breathes on them he says it again I say again peace now it transcends all understanding this is the peace it's the peace when Jesus walks in the room it's the supernatural peace that circumstances don't change just your heart does it's the peace that it doesn't matter what dies it doesn't matter what happens it doesn't matter who comes against you it doesn't matter the outcome of circumstances it doesn't matter how much you hoped and believed and it did happen or didn't happen the only thing that matters is he's there this is the peace of God when he walks in the room and no longer am I looking at what's on the outside of the room I just can't take my eyes off what is on the inside of the room his peace peace has captured me, His peace has come to me, His peace has delighted me. I know I'm still in this season of war, but I have these new boots on and I can't help to shake the peace that I feel in my heart, the peace in my mind, the peace in my spirit that surpasses all understanding. The disciples realized they were wearing dunamis power. They were wearing the boots.